0: I was thinking about just our relationships with people as we go through life. And as you meet people, uh, probably every day, we we come into contact with different people in front of us. And and the truth is, every single person that you meet and that you come into contact with, there's a lot more than meets the eye going on with them, right? Like, that's that's pretty... I think true statement, uh, I'm good at making really obvious statements, but I think that's, that's a very true, maybe hopefully obvious statement that there's more than meets the eye when you meet people and when you talk to them. And part of that is because every single person that you come into contact with is made in the image of God, right? Genesis 1.27 tells us that God created man and woman in his image after his likeness, that he's given us these marks of the creator in us that were created after God's image. And part of that means that we are physical, we are emotional, we are relational, we are spiritual beings, we're conscious that we understand those things. All of that kind of gets wrapped up into that. And so as you meet different people, they're dealing with all sorts of different things on different levels, much of which you can't see. It goes beyond just the physical. And all of those things working in us uh, affect us in different ways, right? Like, Like, for example, the physical affects you each day. If you slept well last night, you wake up today and you're refreshed and you're ready to go, and that affects the way that you respond with people. It affects your relationships. It affects your emotions. The same is true as if you didn't sleep well last night. If you had trouble sleeping and you get up and you're tired, then that affects you. Or maybe you go to sleep, uh, you go to bed, you sleep pretty well, but you wake up and you've got a crick in your neck and you're hurting now, right? I- I've come to understand that. I-, I think this is true. You know you're getting old when you hurt yourself in your sleep. It now happens to me like at least once every month or two that I wake up and I go, what ha- I hurt myself sleeping. But then that can affect you, right? Because now you've got a crick in your neck and now you're maybe grumpy because of that and then that affects relationships. And that, and so all of these things are tied together. And under all that is our spirit, we're spiritual beings that are made to know God and love him first above all else and love other people out of that. And that too affects. And so sometimes our emotions are uh, we're frustrated or we're upset or we're struggling because of physical pain, because of relational issues, maybe both of those things. And then that starts to affect our spiritual lives in the way that we view God. And so all of those things are kind of rolled together. And all of those things come to bear on who we are as people. And so the truth is for every single person you meet, there's more than meets the eye. There's a lot going on there, whether physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, and I say that because it's a good reminder for us to be kind and gracious to one another because there's a lot more going on than we know. But also as we read here in Daniel chapter 10, we get to this last section in this book of Daniel. And really chapter 10, 11, and 12 is all kind of one big vision, one big kind of breath at this moment together. And so we're to this last section and you get to the beginning and Daniel has seen these visions that God's given him. Uh, this is about a year, somewhere a year after what we looked at, In chapter 9, we get to chapter 10, the third year of the Persians now coming in and taking over. And Daniel is an old man now. He's about 90 years old at this point, and he spent his entire life in Babylon, or his entire adult life anyway. And he's an older man that has seen all these things, and now he's seeing these visions of what is to come and what is to happen, and he is down. There's difficulty in his life. He's struggling. And you see that at the beginning of chapter 10. He's mourning and he's spending time. Uh, it, it even says he, he didn't anoint himself for three weeks. So basically like he's not even showering. <laughs> he's struggling, right? Like he's so in the midst of what's going on in his life that he's really wrestling with these things. And the truth is that we, we kind of know what that's like. I think if we're, we're honest at different times in our life, we know what it feels like to be like that. Maybe it's physical pain and emotional pain and those things coming together. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's all of the above kind of coming, crashing together. And we struggle at different times. And here Daniel's struggling with all that he's gone through in his life and all the good and the bad and all of it that he's seen God moving. But now he's seeing all these visions that these struggles are gonna continue. And it's pressing in on them. It's weighing on them. And so the way I want us to look at chapter 10 And really, we're going to talk about chapter 11 as well, kind of mixed in here this morning. As we look at those two chapters together, this is the way I want us to look at it. First, I want us just to start with acknowledging that the struggle is real, that life can be really hard at different times. And the Bible's clear about that, and it doesn't uh, sugarcoat that, and it's in this passage. And so that's the first thing, acknowledge that the struggle is real. Secondly, I want us to consider with what it's telling us here, why that is. Why it's so hard at different times? What's going on? And there's some things that we can see and there's some things we can't see, but all of those things working together that make it a struggle at different times. So the second thing is why is it? But then lastly, how do we live and prosper in light of the struggles that we go through in life? And so I want us to see those three things here in chapter 10 and even as we look at 11 here together. And then next week we'll wrap up with kind of 11 and 12 and the hope that we have in the future. It's kind of like part two next week, but that's we'll we'll get to that later. So let's just start with the struggle is real. And so I want us just to acknowledge what the Bible says and tells us over and over. And we see this all the way through and we see it here with Daniel at the beginning that there is a battle raging in the world all around us. And Daniel's seeing that in these visions. If you've been with us the last few weeks, the second half of the book of Daniel is a whole lot of visions about the future. See it in chapter seven, chapter eight, the end of chapter nine. Now in 10 and 11, we're gonna see a clear uh, picture of what's happening in the future. And all of it that God is showing Daniel is there's a lot of difficulty. There's a lot of hard times and it's still going to be difficult. And Daniel has been wrestling with being in exile and Babylon and when will this end and when will God restore? And that has started to happen now in the third year of the reign of Cyrus. It tells us at the beginning there, people are starting now to go back to Jerusalem because Cyrus has given a decree that they can go back and rebuild the temple. And so he's seeing it start to happen. But I can't help but think as that's going on that here he is, as 90 years old, that it's dawning on him that he's not going back, right? He's in the third year now. He has not left to go back. As an old man, I think he's come to grips that he's probably never going to see Jerusalem again, that he's not going back. And he's wrestling with this, but he's also wrestling with these visions that God has showed him. Despite them going back, there's still going to be hardships that are going to come. There's still going to be other nations that rise up and, and rule over them. And he's seen this multiple times already. And he's seen these visions and he's wrestling with all of this. And so you get to, what it says here in verses one and two in the third year of Cyrus the king of Persia the word was revealed to Daniel who was named Belteshazzar and the word was true and it was great conflict and he understood the word and had understanding of the vision so he's seeing these visions and he's seeing that there's continuing to be conflict in the world and it says and in those days I Daniel was mourning for three weeks And I ate no delicacy, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for a full three weeks. And so he's mourning and he's wrestling with this and he's down and it's difficult. And I think you see him in kind of his lowest of anything that we've seen in the book of Daniel. He's feeling this fully. And that's saying a lot, considering all the things that Daniel's seen in his long life. He's seen his friends be thrown in the fiery furnace. He's been put... Into the lion's den. He's had to go before kings that are threatening him with you tell me what my dream means or I'm going to kill you. And he's gone through all these things. He saw Jerusalem destroyed. He saw he and his friends being taken from their homeland and taken to a foreign land. And he's lived through all these things. But here now is when he's like in the throes of this three weeks of mourning and struggling and wrestling with God with these things. And I want us just to stop and think about that for just a second. The Bible's very clear and real that there are times when life is hard and it's difficult, and you see that all the way through Scripture. You see it with all the great people of faith throughout the Bible. And think of here Daniel, you think of Moses and Abraham, King David, the times in which he would mourn and weep, even when we get to the New Testament when Jesus comes and walks among us. And Jesus is known as a man of sorrows who's feeling the things of all the people around him. And so I just want us to acknowledge that the Bible's clear on this, that life can be difficult. And there are times that it's not easy and that it is hard. And Daniel's wrestling with that right now as he sees what is to come. And he's in the midst of all this, he's wrestling with that it's difficult. But the second thing I want us to consider is why is that? Why is it hard? Why is there such a struggle in this life. And it's one of those things that we've been talking about all the way through the book of Daniel. If you've been with us, we actually started with this the very first week is that all the way through that there's these stories of Daniel and his friends in Babylon and the struggle that's there. Are they going to be faithful to God? Or are they going to get sucked into the world? This idea of Babylon. And what we said is it's not just the literal Babylon, but there's this idea all the way through the Bible. Are you going to follow the seed of the promise of what God says? Are you going to follow the seed of Babylon, what the world says? Are you going to honor God and love him and trust him? Are you going to get sucked into what the world says? And there's a continual battle pulling you always. And you see this all the way through the Bible. See it from the very beginning. We talked about this, I think the very first week, the tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. That's the beginning of Babylon. And their cry, when they created the tower of Babel, they were trying to to build a monument that goes to the sky and they said we're going to make a name for ourselves we're going to make it about us rather than about god and that is the pull and so god calls abraham out of the shadow of babylon and says i'm going to take you to a new place and i'm going to show you a different way to live and that is fleshed out all the way throughout the bible and so there's this struggle all the way through scripture of are we gonna be in Babylon and what the world says, or are we gonna follow God and what he says? And that continual struggle is always pulling at us in different ways. And because that struggle is always there, I mean, the very heart of it is our sinful nature, our rebellion against God, that wanting autonomy, the pride that it's about us, that we can do it. That's the allure of Babylon. We see that all the way through the Bible, through everything that's in there. And we see that and what happens and the way that that gets played out is wars and nations rising and competing, prideful men raising up and I want to make a name for myself and I'll be the person that conquers the world and follow me. And so nations rise and falls and it continues to go. And Daniel's lived right through one of those really, really difficult times where that's happening. But now God has showed him that that's going to continue to happen. It's not going to end with Babylon. It's going to continue with the Medes and the Persians. And then it's going to continue with the Greeks. And then it's going to continue with the Romans. And it's going to continue to happen. And there's going to continue to be this battle. And that's part of why he's mourning here as he's seeing all that. Here he's thinking this season is about to end. The 70 years of captivity is over. God, when is this going to happen? And he's crying out to God. And God says, oh, by the way, it's going to continue to be ups and downs. There's going to continue to be this battle raging. And he's seeing all this and he's wrestling with all this. But what we see here even in chapter 10, and it's something we've talked about throughout Daniel, that it's not just the physical. It's not just nations rising and falling. It's not just guys that are egomaniacs that want to lead their nation and take over everybody else. But there is a spiritual battle underneath all of this. So here is Daniel, overwhelmed, mourning, praying, seeking God, all that's going on. And then he has this vision. He has a vision here in verses five through 10 of this man that we don't know exactly what's going on, but he sees this vision that overwhelms him and he falls to his face. And then verse 11, somebody walks up and touches him, kind of wakes him up and begins to speak to him. And he says this in verse 11. And he said to me, oh, Daniel, Man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken these words to me, I stood up trembling. And then he said, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the king of Persia. And came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days. For this vision is the days yet to come. And So I want you to think about what he says there. Right? Tells us at the beginning for three weeks he was in mourning. And he didn't eat and he didn't anoint himself for a full three weeks. And he's going through this thing. This figure, this heavenly figure, this angel shows up and he says, I, Your words were heard and I was coming to you. But I was held up for three weeks with the king of Persia. What? What is he talking about? This is an angelic being and I couldn't get, I heard your words. I heard your prayers. I was coming to you, but I got held up. And I think what he's telling him and what this is telling us is that there's a spiritual battle going on, that there are things happening that we can't see. And I was coming to you, but I got held up. And it's exactly what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter six. You know, that passage in Ephesians chapter six about putting on the armor of God. Paul writes this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly places. You go, why is it such a battle? Why is it so hard? Well, because of our sin nature, because men rise and fall and they want to take over and they want to make it all about themselves. And we see that all around us. But underneath that, there is also a spiritual battle. I think this passage tells us that when this angel speaks to Daniel and he says, I was coming to you, but I was held up because of what's going on here. And he talks about the, the, the battle that's underneath the Persians and the battle that's going on that holds up the Greek empire. And he's not just talking about the armies and the men, but he's talking about principalities and the heavenly places that are working behind the scenes in all of this. And he says, I want you to understand that there's more to this than what you can see. And so the struggle of Babylon, remember when we say Babylon, that idea that we don't need God, not just the place, that struggle is all around us and it's real and it's physical. And it's nations that rise and fall. And it's the people we meet and the things that we see. But it's also spiritual and emotional and relational. And there's all kinds of things that we don't see working under that. And so we go, well, why is it hard? Because we are in the middle of a battle. And whether you recognize it or not, you are in the middle of it. It's happening all around you every day. And you may not realize that sometimes what we do is we just chalk it all up to part of who we are. It's the physical and it's the emotional and it's the relational. And we stop there, which it is. It is those things, right? You slept bad. You got a crick in your neck. You wake up. You're frustrated. You lose your temper with somebody. They're ugly with you. Now you're angry. You're going through life. Those things are that are working in you, that is the point of the attack for the enemy. Have you ever had that happen? I don't know if you've ever named it this way or have you ever seen it this way, but there are times in my life where somebody says something to me and I snap and I walk off and I go, what was that? That wasn't an unreasonable question. And part of it is because I got a crick in my neck and part of it is because I didn't sleep well or I'm hungry, hadn't eaten. But part of it is because it's a spiritual attack that is seeking to rob your joy, that is seeking to pull you away from those things. And the Bible tells us that that is a reality. And so we go, why is it difficult? Well, it's difficult because of all those things working together. And that's part of what we see here, that we are in the middle of a battle, a real battle that's not just physical, that's not just emotional, that's not just relational, but it's spiritual. And it's in all these ways and in all these things. But here's the hard part of that. That's the reality. But part of what Daniel is now seeing, and I think this is part of what kind of predicates this three weeks of mourning and fasting and seeking the Lord and praying, is he's seen these visions, and he knows this to be the reality, but now he's seeing these visions that they're going to continue. This is going to keep happening that there's still gonna be a battle and it's still gonna be ongoing. He was thinking, man, Babylon, it's about to be brought down and we're gonna be returned and things are gonna be good and this is it. And it's like, oh, by the way, this is gonna go on for a while. And that's hard. It's hard for him to hear. But God comes to him and begins to show him that as he's wrestling with that. And so here, as he's wrestling with all this, this angel comes and speaks to him, this heavenly being, and he tells him, And then he says in verse 20, do you know why I've come to you? Then verse 21, he says, I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. And then chapter 11, verse two, he says, now I will show you the truth. He says, I'm going to tell you what's to come. You're wrestling with, you thought the 70 week or 70 years were over 70 years of exile that Jeremiah prophesied. They were in Babylon that's now coming to an end. Persia is saying, you can go back. Cyrus is saying, you can go back. It is coming to an end, but it's not like what he thought. And he can't get his head around what's actually happening. And so God sends this spokesman, this angelic being, and says, this is what's going to happen. So now I'm going to lay it out for you. And if you read through chapter 11, and we're not going to read through the whole of that today, we'll come back to it next week. But it lines up with everything that we've looked at in chapter seven and chapter eight. The vision at the end of chapter nine, even the vision that he gets kind of, uh, the picture that he gets in chapter two, when he's giving the, the, uh, picture to Nebuchadnezzar. And so all these visions that God's been showing him is what's going to happen. So what you see in chapter 11 is in verses two and three, the Medes and the Persians are going to take over. And that has now started to happen, right? He's now in the very beginning of that. And what God has told him is now coming to fruition. But then at the end of verse 2 and 3 and 4, you have that the Greeks are going to come. This is chapter 11, 3 and 4 there. The Greeks are going to come under under Alexander. We know Alexander dies very suddenly at age 33, and then his kingdom gets split up into four. Talks about it being split into four here. Verses 5 through 15 of chapter 11 are the Ptolemy dynasty in Egypt, and there's a lot of detail there. If you want resources, I'll point you to them because you can take that and lay it over history and look at everything that it says here and you get in great detail what's going to happen. And so they're explaining, God's explaining to Daniel, you don't understand, but what I'm telling you is this is the way history is going to go and this is what it looks like. After the Ptolemy dynasty will be Antiochus Third. that's verses 16 through 20. 21 to 35 is Antiochus the Fourth, Antiochus Epiphanes. If you were with us when we looked at verse or chapter 8, It explains that and talks about him in some detail at the end of chapter 8. And Antiochus Epiphanes, Epiphanes means uh, calling himself God. He's equating himself to divine. And so Antiochus Epiphanes will come and he'll do awful things to Jerusalem. He'll enslave 40,000 Jews he'll kill another 40,000 he'll walk into the temple and sacrifice a pig on the altar and desecrate the temple and do all these horrible things and all of this is being shown to Daniel but then you get to the very end of chapter 11 and right around verse 36 the language seems to change and it's still talking about rulers that will come and do awful things and there are things that are there but it doesn't seem like it's any longer Antiochus Epiphanes, but it seems to be looking beyond him. And so oftentimes that's what prophecy does. It telescopes out this person and this person and this person will be like that, but then there'll be even more. And I think that's what's happening at the end of chapter 11. And you go, he's telling him that this is gonna continue on into the future. And so you go, well, what happens at the end of chapter 11? It moves on from Antiochus Epiphanes and it starts to look further into the future. And I think what he's telling him here is he's looking ahead and he's talking about the Antichrist. One that will come, that will be even worse, that will continue in this, but will be like this and even worse. Now, as soon as I say that, maybe you don't feel this, but I do as a pastor. As soon as I say Antichrist, I go, what is everybody hearing when I say that? I'm going to tell you why. If you're older, if you're my age or older. We'll we'll use me as the line. I'm 44. Say 40 or older. You have been greatly influenced on who the Antichrist is and what it looks like by popular culture. Books, movies, things in our world. If you're my age or older, you've been influenced by the Left Behind series, whether you know it or not. Really uh, really (laughs) huge amount of sales, books that came out that talk about the end times and the Antichrist. Let's just... It's kind of clear the table. If you're influenced by left behind series, let me just say that that is a work of fiction. Right? It's not the Bible. It's not what I don't want to say. It's not what the Bible says. There's things in it that are what the Bible says, but it is a work of fiction that has great speculation. Say it that way. Lots of speculation to build the story. And what happens is we read a book like that or we see a movie based on a book like that and then that gets into our thinking and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's what the Antichrist is. And we miss what the Bible actually says. And so the Bible doesn't talk about the Antichrist a lot, but it does use that language and it does talk about it. First John talks about it, the Apostle John. First John, or, or second John chapter one talks about it a little bit. It's the only time that the term is used. But what it tells us, if we go and we look at what the Bible says, is John says that there are antichrists that are now in the world. And this is him writing in the first century. And they've been here and they've been among us. And there's been many. He says there's antichrist plural. And then he defines what an antichrist is. It's pretty self-explanatory. Those that are against Jesus. Those that deny the son and deny the father. That's what an antichrist is. Those that are pursuing Babylon. They're seeking to lead people away from God, saying, you don't need God. It's all about us. We can do this on our own. That pretty much sums it up. And so what he says is there have been antichrists in the world throughout history. That's what he tells us. And they lead people astray. But the Bible does seem to say there's going to be another one that's going to come that's going to lead people astray in the end times. And I think that's what Daniel's talking about here. And so the antichrist, whoever is an antichrist, is people who come, that deny God and seek to lead people astray. And they gain a place of influence and they deceive people and they bring in and pull them away from God. And we could say, as John does, there's been antichrists throughout history. I think Antiochus Epiphanes is a type of an antichrist. The man that went into the temple and enslaved Jews and killed many and then stood in the temple and talked about himself being God and worshiped me. The same is true of Caesar. We could say the same of of, uh, the emperor Titus. We could say the same in the old Testament of Pharaoh and Nimrod. We could say the same in history of people like Hitler, all in the line of antichrist that have come, but there's one that's going to come. That's going to continue to deceive people. And so I would just say this to you when we talk about that, let's not get lost in rampant speculation. There are going to be people that seek to lead you away from God and his only son, Jesus And you cling to Christ and Christ alone. And God's got you in the middle of that. You hold fast to the name of Jesus and he's got you. But what he's telling us here for our purposes here, we go, why is it hard and why is it difficult? There's a great battle that's waging all around you. We see it physically, but it's also spiritual and it's going to continue. And what he's telling Daniel here is it's going to continue until Jesus returns. There's going to continue to be these battles. There's going to continue to be these cycles that are leading to this, but that Jesus will bring it to an end. Now, you hear all that, you go, this is a bummer, (laughs) right? (laughs) Life is hard. It's going to continue to be difficult. It's going to continue to be a struggle. There's going to be ups and downs. There's a spiritual battle all around you, and it's going to continue until Jesus returns. So how do we live in the middle of that? How do we live in the light of that? How do we live in the joy that God calls us to? And so there's a couple things I wanna point out to you today. We'll come back to this next week because we get to the end of chapter 12 and it gives us this wonderful and glorious hope that we have in Jesus. And we will end Daniel with that next week. But here, right in the midst of those difficult times, I want you to think about what it teaches us right here in chapter 10. When things are really hard, and I know for many, the last two years have been really hard and you've felt these things in different ways. And so the first thing I would say to you is how do we live in light of this is what we see here in verse two when he talks about I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks, right? If we read down as the angelic being speaks to him in verse 12, he says, fear not, Daniel, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard and I have come to you because of your words, right? So there's that three weeks, got held up, this is the three weeks that Daniel is in mourning and struggling. But what he's doing is he's fasting and he's praying. Yes, he's down and yes, it's hard and yes, he's struggling. But he's continuing to talk to God in all of this, all the way through. It's what Ephesians six says, by the way. We talking about putting on the full armor of God, and we don't war, our our war is not just against physical things but spiritual things. In Ephesians chapter six. In verse 18 and 19, he tells us to pray at all times in the spirit, to keep alert with perseverance, continuing to seek the Lord in everything. And so we go, well, how do we live in difficult times? You continue to talk to God about it. You continue to seek the Lord. And sometimes it seems like a long time and you're waiting and you're waiting to hear and you're wrestling with those things, but you continue to speak with him. I've heard people say, but, but I don't feel like it. I'm really struggling right now. That's where the emotional and the relational start to overcloud the spiritual and you go, but I don't want to, I don't feel like doing that right now. So my response to that often is, so tell God that. Tell him, talk to him. I don't feel like it right now. I'm struggling with this and I see this, right? The whole Psalms is filled with that language. God, why like this? What's happening And we come to him with great reverence and an awe that he is the God and we are not, but you continue to speak to him. And as you continue to speak to him, the second thing I would tell you that it tells us here is again what he says in verse 11. Oh, Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright for now I have been sent to you. He says, I've heard. God hears you. And he's with you in this. And I have been sent to you because he hears you. And so continue to speak to God because he hears you and he hears everything. And he knows exactly what you're going through. And even when it sounds like it's silent and even when you're struggling in those moments, he hears and knows every bit of it. And so we need to be reminded that even when we don't feel like it and even when it sounds like he's silent, he is there and he hears. But the third thing I would say to you is not only does he hear, but he is near to you. Now, there's some debate on this chapter. I was wrestling with how to say this exactly. I'm going to tell you kind of the way I read it. I've heard other people give kind of a different interpretation. But the way I see this is he has this vision. In verse 5, I lifted my eyes and looked and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold. Says his body was like barrel, his face with the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sounds of his words like the sound of a multitude. You go, What's happening here? He is in the depths of this, and he's crying out to God, and it's been three weeks, and all of a sudden he looks up and there's this man. You go, Well, who is this? What's happening here? I, I personally think it's Jesus of the pre-incarnate Christ that has come, and the reason I say that is because what John sees in Revelation chapter one. You know what John sees in Revelation chapter one. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven gold lampstands, and in the middle of the lampstands was one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest, and the hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like the flame of fire, his feet like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. I saw him and I fell at his feet as though dead. And he said to me, putting his right hand on me, fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Sounds a lot like the guy that Daniel sees showing up at the depths of his need. I don't think Daniel has the fullness to understand it what he's seeing there. But he knows that it's Something. He falls on his face and the guys with him are like, whoa, right? And then this one touches him and says, it's okay, you can get up. Now, I don't know if that's Jesus speaking to him or an angel goes, hey, I'm going to tell you what's happening now. That's kind of the way I read it. I'm not sure, but I think he sees Jesus there because of what John sees in Revelation chapter one. And so I want to remind you when it's really difficult, keep talking to God that he hears you and that Jesus never leaves you or forsakes you. He knows everything that is going on in your life. Now, Daniel doesn't see the fullness of all that, but we do on this side of the cross. We have the fullness of what Jesus says to John in chapter 1 of Revelation. Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and Hades you see all that's going on and I'm showing you this right now. He says, I've come to show you. You're struggling with it and this is the ups and downs and this is what it looks like, but I'm in control of all of it and I've got you in the midst of it. And he meets him there and in verse 18 and 19, he speaks to him and he strengthens him and he says, you can stand up and I've got you and I'm going to walk you through this. And I just want to remind you when we think of all of this, Yes, we are in the middle of a battle and yes, we're going to continue to see these things being played out and you're in the middle of a spiritual battle, but that God is in control and he is in in and through and over all of it and that he will strengthen you and he will meet you in the midst of it and he will give you the grace that you need for today. Jesus actually says that don't worry about tomorrow. I'm going to give you the grace for today and I've got you. And so continue to talk to him. Continue to look to him. We'll end next week with the hope that we have. Because this isn't done yet, right? He, he walks him through all of this. Spoiler alert, you can read ahead. <laughs> if you haven't read the end of it, he tells them all these things that are going to happen. And then you get to the beginning of chapter 12. And then he goes, and the son of man is coming and he's going to bring it all to its glorious end. They go, yes. Right? And that's the way Daniel ends. And so we'll look at that next week, the hope that we have in the future of what he's going to do. But would you pray with me? God, we thank you that in the midst of suffering and struggle that you were there. That even when we don't recognize it, that you hear us, that you are near, that you know what we're going through, that you meet us in the middle of it. I pray that you would help us to fix our eyes on you and all things continuing to trust you all the way through knowing that you do hear us. I pray for each person here. I pray for those that are struggling right now that are maybe in those moments of where it seems like it's silent. I pray that you would meet them in the midst of that, that you would remind them that you are near, that you do hear them. We thank you that you know everything that we've gone through, that we are going through. We thank you that you are not a God that is far off and that we can trust you in that. And so help us to continue to see you more fully to continue to trust you and in all things and in all ways. We pray all these things in Jesus' precious name, amen.